1: Delighted to welcome you into the Fairways of Life show. Clearly, I am still on the road. Andrew is holding down the fort in our studios in Orlando. Dom is still off on vacation. Hope you guys are doing well, and hope you guys are having a great week on uh, what this Wednesday is. We're getting ready for the golf to kick off tomorrow. Now, we will have a show tomorrow. Today, and I was kind of teasing you guys with this yesterday. uh, We're going to be featuring an interview I did with a Hall of Fame member in Mark O'Meara. And Mark played on five United States Ryder Cup teams. So Mark's, I I love the stories of talking with guys like Mark that have the experience in the Ryder Cup that they can share with us. I mean, what was it like to compete against Seve? What was it like to have to hit that first tee shot? Uh, at a Ryder Cup and more. So we've got that coming up on the show today. We're also going to spend some time uh, with the Solheim team, the United States Solheim team to be specific. Uh, Stacy Lewis, uh, as well as Allie Ewing, Angel Yin, the latter two spoke at the Kroger Queen City uh, Championship yesterday. And we'll have that sound coming up for you that John was able to cut up for us last night. So lots still happening. We're going to be joined by another friend of the show, another partner of the show today to, to feature some things that I think you guys might find of interest, just like we did yesterday. Remember when Elliot joined us from Bridgestone, got some nice responses from you guys on that. We appreciate that uh, too. Uh, this week uh, amongst the tournaments that are going on, uh, including obviously the Kroger Queen, Queen City Championship, is the Horizon Irish Open. And we got this piece sent along to us from the DP World Tour on the history of the Irish Open, which – uh, you may not realize is, is more significant than you could imagine. Just take a look at this video they put together with some of the names and what they represent to the history of the game and more. 1983, of course, Sevy secured his first of three Irish Open titles, spectacular fashion. This is at Royal Dublin Golf Club. In 93, world number one Sir Nick Faldo playing Here's his third consecutive Irish Open. 2001, 13 months after his last victory, Colin Montgomery will show it really you part of the yeah. Patrick Harrington, the unbelievable oh. performance. It's been a long, long time. 2009, amateur Shane Lowry got it done. In 2016, Rory with that five wood set this up at the K Club where we are this year. And, of course, 2019, John Rahm at Myla Hinch.
2: 2022, Adrian Moreau, first Polish winner.
1: Very, very cool piece indeed. So just to bring you guys up to speed on what we're doing schedule-wise, this is all, obviously, as they say, all roads leading to Rome. Uh, I will be heading to Europe on Saturday night. We'll be flying overnight and heading to Ireland. I've got a tournament next week uh, at Bally Bunyan. Uh, we will be doing uh, shows next week in between. I think we're scheduled Monday and Wednesday, if if memory serves me in terms, because Tuesday we have to travel from point A to B, going from Lahinch to uh, Bally Bunyan. So Monday we'll be broadcasting from Lahinch, probably from the Nineteenth Pub. You can look it up. Uh, and then Wednesday, we'll be broadcasting from Bally Bunyan. Uh, the, the tournament will be underway by that time. Uh, and then the following week, I'll be back in La Hinch, hanging out there for a few days. Uh, one of my boys is going to be flying into town, and we're going to be hanging out in La Hinch and then up in Dublin. Uh, so we'll take you guys along for the ride with with what we're doing there. It should be fun and very cool. As you guys know, I'm an ambassador for Tourism Ireland, so I'd like to share with you guys the, the wonders of Ireland. Don't forget Ireland.com. Uh, is where you can open your heart to Ireland, which is exactly what I hope to be doing. If you go to ireland.com slash golf, uh, it takes you into their portal where you can see all the details on, on everything that they have on offer there too. Not only the greatest Lynx golf courses in the world, uh, but they also have uh, the great Parkland courses like Adair Manor, just to, to give you a, a, a few examples. So from there, I'll be heading to Rome. I will get up to Rome early Uh, And then I believe the first scheduled day of live shows we have for you from Marco Simone will be on Tuesday of that week of the Ryder Cup. And so one of the things we thought we'd do today is kind of focus a little bit on what's going on in and around the Ryder Cup. First of all, again, uh, thank you to Europe's Ryder Cup video production team, which is all through the DP World Tour. They put this video together, which is really well done, which is pretty much Luke Donald on the day in which he made his captain's picks and kind of expressing his his satisfaction that that I'm sure very pressure filled part of the job is now behind him.
0: Well, we're, we're 12 strong now, uh, obviously made my picks today. Very excited about them. Now it's crunch time. We have three weeks to really get the team ready um, for Rome and uh, couldn't be more excited with the, the 12 gentlemen that uh, are joining me on this journey. This is feeling very, very real. Obviously, uh, it's nice to uh, get this out today. Uh, we're 12 strong now. We know uh, where we are, what we, where we stand, and what we need to do. So uh, excited for the next three weeks and, and obviously the road to Rome. Yeah, my six captains picks are Tommy Fleetwood, Sepp Straka, Justin Rose, uh, Shane Lowry, Nikolai Huygard and Ludwig Eberg. Obviously a great mixture of uh, people who have experience, some fresh young blood and rookies. Um, it's a, just a great uh, combination and you know they, they all have their own individual talents that they're gonna bring to this team and uh, couldn't be more excited. We have three of the top four in the world. Um, we have some young blood that are rearing and ready to go. We have guys that have been there before and, and secured points for, for Europe. Um, and I think it's a great mix. These guys are 12 fearless golfers that uh, are ready to write their own chapter and their history in these Ryder Cup books. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to be joining and being a small part of their journey. There you go, Luke. One of your big jobs is done now. Uh, the rest is up to you when you get to Rome. Thank you so much for coming in to spend it it with us, and we wish you all the very best for when we get out there in the contest. Cheers, Nick. Thank you.
1: Thank you to the European Ryder Cup team for providing us with that video of Luke Donald, his team now complete. Uh, As we march closer to the Ryder Cup, obviously, we're going to have more and more content that we can share with you. Same with the Solheim Cup, which will be that in-between week that I was just explaining the the schedule to you. Really excited about uh, what we have in front of us. I mean, at this time of year, for those of you, for example, who are are watching us across the continent in North America, I realize that football is really kicking in, in the the variety of college football, the National Football League, NFL, etc. But the thing that golf can kind of you know, assert itself in the month of September and still generate interest against the, the, you know, overwhelming interest that people have in those other sports, I think is pretty considerably on an international basis. It's fun too. And I I will tell you that people are checking in today. Uh, Derek from Morocco says, hello. Neil says, good morning. Hopefully today won't be like yesterday, but it's looking like it. I hope you have a better day, uh, Derek, with that. But we are uh, happy to get your... Messages coming in. Christopher says need some landscaping there. Work my brother. So he's probably talking about behind me, but no doubt about that. Uh, someone said, "Why does it seem that that Irish golf takes a a backseat to European golf?" Uh, I'm not sure how to respond to that because I obviously Irish golf is European golf. Uh, I do if it's if it's relative to the fact that the Irish Open was postured just a few years ago as a run up to the open in other words it would be this three weeks of links golf running up to the open and there was the rumor that the irish open would become a co-sanctioned event just like the scottish open so you'd basically have three pga tour events in a row as well as them being co-sanctioned events dp world tour events in other words getting players ready for the open and what happened with that i'm not sure because at one point you might recall, too, that the Irish Open was also a Rolex Series event. There was at one time seven Rolex Series events, and that quietly went away. So obviously part of what that represents is the thing that people are learning more and more about uh, as more revelations come through and, and documents are revealed, et cetera, that the DP World Tour, formerly known as a European Tour, has had some struggles with sponsorships. And how those sponsors flow and ebb very much impacts the status of a golf tournament. it shouldn't impact the importance of those golf tournaments like for example, my hope is uh, and and i'm i realize i'm i'm probably incredibly naive with this, but my hope would be that if you're talking about national championships, whether we 're talking about you know Canadian or australian or any of them the irish uh, the the german uh, Scottish, et cetera, that those events are treated differently, that they're a national open. I, I just I, I just think, and in the video that I showed you just a little bit ago, uh, I think it, it demonstrated back to the days when those national opens were treated as something really, really important. So, you know, I'd love to see that happen again. I'm just not sure as, as I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about it, my mind with the you know all the machinations that are happening in the world of golf right now. Um, I think it's more sponsor-driven and kind of ownership-driven than it is about necessarily tying into direct lines of heritage and lineage. Even though that was initially promoted to us and said, "Well, if you if you you know if you go with uh, Live or what have you, you're giving up on all this direct comparison and lineage that exists in these other tournaments," and yet those tournaments. Uh, how many of them exist even close to the form that they had, you know, uh, and I'll give you an example, like the, what's now called the BMW championship on the PGA tour Uh, at one time that was, it was called the Western open at one time that was considered one of the games majors. Right. And the Western open was always played in Metro Chicago. I realize it rotates now. And I realize for those of you that get a chance to see top class golf in your region, it's very cool. I, and I, I respect that and I appreciate that, but in terms of lineage, in terms of the importance of where it was, it's just not the same as what it was, notwithstanding the fact that it's a FedEx, FedEx cup uh, playoff event. So that's, that's what I mean about that in terms of, of, of those tournaments and, and where they place. Uh, so in any event, uh, let me see if I can get to more of this stuff because Dom is giving me access while he's gone to, to your messages as they come in, which is probably dangerous. Um, Let me see what's coming in. Robert writes, I love LaHinch. Not so keen on Ballybunion. Royal County Down is my favorite. Portrush is the toughest. Played 23 links in Ireland so far. Uh, Derek notes that uh, the football of the Premier League variety has been going for some weeks now. Yes, huge Liverpool fan here. Uh, Bob says, good morning, FOL fans and friends. I... Neil says that Liv has a tournament coming up in, in Chicago. You know, when you, when you look at, there, there are certain cities like Boston, New York, Chicago, Dallas. Now, you're going to hear this and be like, L.A. You're going to hear this and be like, Matty, some of those cities you named have tournaments. I realize it, but, but when you go down that list, and I stopped, you could keep going. I believe that all of those big cities should have a tournament. Right. And if the opportunity now exists, remember there was that rumor about the 18 huge events and then it was squashed right away that saying, Oh, this is even close to being accurate. And, and, and generally what we found in, in a lot of the information that comes out in this regard, and I mentioned this to Dom the other day when we were on the air is I find a lot of that information actually has credibility in this crazy world we're living in right now of, of golf news cycle, where It doesn't suit a negotiation or it doesn't suit an organization to validate a leak. So they deny it. Uh, And then when information is released some weeks or months later, we find out it was pretty close to what we were already told. So in any event, if that would mean that certain countries internationally and certain cities that are huge cities that don't currently have an annual event can get one, I don't know. I think that would be great. Uh, let's see. Another message: decent field in Ireland this week. Yes, it's perfect too because it, it gives guys a chance to to play, to warm up, and then they're heading off to to the Ryder Cup. Oh, uh, let's see. It says, if you win any open, someone writes in, who wrote this? Uh, Robert said, if you win any open, you should get an automatic entry into the open. They're talking about national championships there. Colin writes in, some of the best courses in the world are in Ireland. Would agree with that. Uh, it, and uh, Raffles says, I've never played golf in the U.S. I did consider a week in Pinehurst, though. Uh, Pinehurst is tremendous. And then, and then there's, there's different messages going back and forth with, with players on this discussion board, which I love, getting to know each other and inviting each other to come play golf together in, in your respective places, either in wherever you live in the USA or around the world. I think it's around the world. I think it's uh, the gent from Morocco who was named Derek is being invited to play golf. So I, I love it. It's, it's awesome. Uh, the Fairways of Life show is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore, the number one golf retailer in all of the land, more than 60 big, beautiful stores spread out from coast to coast. They are staffed by professionals, which I think is a critically important point. There are other big places that sell golf equipment. They got rid of all of their pros. Do you want to take your car to be fixed by someone who has no clue what they're looking at? Think about what I'm telling you. The PGA Tour Superstore is where you can shop with the pros. And even with that, it's your happy place.
3: Relax.
1: Easy now. Find your happy place. place.
3: The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in.
2: Yes! Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings.
1: Is this goodbye? We've only just
2: begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore.
0: In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at Ireland.com forward slash golf.
3: It screams, it tracks, it's soft, it reacts. The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team, the absolute best golf club I've ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date, and they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're gonna love them.
2: PXG,
1: nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period baseball nah
3: football done it i think i'm gonna go after the pga tour bo you're gonna need the right
1: equipment company i think i got that you know tour edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty i know they ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours i know all their premium clubs are hand built in the usa i
3: know you know tour edge has won 35 times out here guys i know pound for pound nothing comes close This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. 101. Gives
1: you feedback in real time.
0: Instead of guessing, I get the direct
3: feedback.
2: The Wiz really helped me to keep that consistent swing.
3: You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game.
2: Transition on plane. The Wiz. Sold
1: exclusively at thewizgolf.com. fairways of life show pleasure of your company from wherever you are joining us around the world let's see if i can grab that discussion board again Uh, nb says nbt3 says matt we the chat support all of your efforts and appreciate the hard work and knowledge you have about the game that we love i appreciate the knowledge and the enthusiasm and passion that all of you guys have as well uh wayne writes in and says ireland is on my list mate also the guinness oh did i mention the Guinness. In fact, uh, my, my youngest boy that that's uh, flying over with me for that second week, he, he, just graduated from college. And I thought it'd be a really cool experience. So we are going to go, when we go to Dublin, we're going to do the Guinness storehouse tour, uh, which y- it sells out so fast. Last time I was there with Donna, we, we, you know, we went down there and figured oh, we'll do the Guinness storehouse tour and got to the line it was huge. So, I've got the tickets already secured. You, you, you do at a specific time. Now, we, I got the tickets weeks and weeks in advance. And the, t- the only time that was available was 11.45 a.m. And I figured that must be because everyone else got in before me. And they took the afternoon times because they want to sit there and chill out and have a few Guinness. Well, I'm not going to let the time this way be from enjoying myself. I can't wait to, to get there and, and see all the stuff. Uh, I, did, I did think one, the last time I was there, I, one thing that I did think was kind of interesting and humorous, was uh, I got this beautiful mug? If, if I wasn't on the road, I'd show it to you. This this Guinness mug uh, that I I'm oftentimes have in the studio with me, the main studio, and it it said on the mug, it's only available exclusively at the Guinness storehouse. I was like, okay, so that's kind of cool. So when I got it, I walked out of the place and went like down two two shops, like you know the souvenir type shops you buy T shirts, whatever, and. There was there was a whole wall of them, in there for a lot less too. I might might mention, but uh, we had fun with that. It was all good. So, in the conversations that we've had with Luke Donald as as captain of the European Ryder Cup team, I always like to ask the captains about what their schedule is like. When, you know, there's a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of things that they have to do. There's a lot of. Uh, loose ends that they have to tie up even when you think about uniforms and scheduling and menus and big banquets and and i can't even imagine what those are going to be like given the fact that we're sitting on the outskirts of the eternal city in rome so this was when uh, luke was with us on the fairways of life show and i asked him about how his schedule is going how he's handling it all
0: it's been pretty full on you know it's it's a busier uh, more hectic job than I probably would have uh, imagined. Um, you know, all the decisions, especially I think for a, for a home captain, you know, have some decisions on, um, you know, how the golf course is set up, uh, qualification criteria, um, how the week goes, the gifting, the, it just goes on and on. You know, and there's a lot of uh, decisions that kind of end up with with me as the captain. So you know, this has really become quite a big focus is the captaincy. Um, you know, it's it's a, a huge privilege. It's a huge honor. It's something I'm really um, putting all my effort into uh, to, to give the guys the best opportunity to, to win back the cup.
1: So someone on the chat board sent in, let's see, uh, David writes in and says, no Dom survey with Dom, you know, off on holiday. He says, how about this? And these are for, the, for you people on the survey. Just respond with an E and you can, find, you can be a part of this chat wherever you guys are, are watching this around the world. If you're not already, just go to the Fairways of Life YouTube page. He says an E if you think Europe is going to win and a U if you think the United States is going to win. So E if you think it's going to be Europe and U if you think it's going to be the USA. After that, everybody is weighing in on the Guinness. Guinness in Ireland is amazing, better than anywhere else. Proper Guinness is great. Just don't drink too much if you're golfing the next day. What's too much? Someone says Fluffy Dom is on holidays. He is. Uh, what happens to all the money at the Ryder Cup that the Ryder Cup makes is the players don't get paid. Uh, the players do get money for a charity of their choice, but the money on the European side is what funds the DP World Tour, funds their European Tour. Uh let's see. Wayne says you, United States. NBT3 says Europe. Derek's saying Europe. Oh, look at that. Andrew, did, did you just put the did you just put the survey up? Okay. So, Andrew, the survey just all of a sudden popped up and I was like, how did that happen so fast? Uh currently we have Seventy-five percent in the actual survey. Thank you. I, f- I forgot who, who suggested this, but thank you. Seventy-five uh, percent are going in the direction of the USA. Bob. Bob initially said, "I." You know what, Bob? Maybe you just a third option. You you picked a draw, but he came back and said, "Oops, you." But maybe see, you guys are you guys are, are, are producing us as, as we go. That's <laughs> too classic. Uh, So one of the things that I I spoke to Luke about was, you know, with everything that the game of golf is going through right now, I think most of us probably feel that once a tee is put in the ground and once a ball is struck and once play is underway in any event, Ryder cup or otherwise, then it's not about the politics anymore. It's not about the personalities. It's not about lawsuits and accusations and uh, all of that that we've been dealing with on the periphery of the game uh, this year. Uh, so I asked Luke about whether he spoke to Zach Johnson at any time about, I don't know, the role of the Ryder Cup and and the controversy surrounding the game and where the Ryder Cup fits.
0: Well, I don't think we've really needed to have those conversations. Zach and I uh, um, have a lot of respect for each other. Um, I think we've followed similar paths, you know, obviously very similar kind of games. Uh, we've never overpowered golf courses, but we've gotten a lot out of, our talents. I um, mean, obviously, Zach uh, uh, won an uh, incredible career to win a Masters and an Open Championship at St Andrews. You know, two two events you'd won at the top of your resume, and he, and he's done that. And um, you know, I think we have uh, mutual respect for each other. We we understand that uh, that with the captaincy challenges come. Um, there's there's always challenges, no matter what uh, Ryder Cup you're looking at. Um, you know. There's obviously been some disruption in, in golf uh, that's happened in the last year. And I think we've just had to navigate that. But, you know, for me personally, all I could do is really just stay in the moment and and control what I can control. And, you know, that's obviously uh, just kind of been, you know, my guiding spirit um, and strategy for, for, for this captaincy, to be authentic, to be myself Um, but also just control what I can control. So, um, you know, I think, again, a lot has changed in the world of golf in in the last year or so, Um, and I've had to navigate that, but, uh, you know, I think you just just do the best you can. Uh,
1: I I should say that the survey, maybe it's because we're featuring Luke Donald from the interview he did here in the Fairways of Life show, is predominantly going the direction of Europe. Who do you think is going to win the Ryder Cup? 81% of you are saying Europe is going to win it uh, currently. Okay, so... The question now, after the comments that you heard from from Luke, my follow up on that was simply to say, "All right, but it's the Ryder Cup, and do you think that the power of the Ryder Cup, the popularity of the Ryder Cup, and the fevered pitch of emotion that surrounds it, is something that can help unite the game?"
0: I think it's always been a symbol of of unity, a symbol of like coming together uh, as as team. Um, you know, which is really important uh, where we are in, in golf. You know, I think we're, we're getting closer with everything that's gone. Um, hopefully those discussions are continuing and, um, you know, uh, there'll be a bit more of, a, yeah, um, harmony, I suppose, in the game because it's definitely been disrupted. Um, you know, I've, I've seen that. Everyone's seen that. Um, but the Ryder Cup is a symbol of, you know, team unity coming together, playing for what's important. Uh, playing for history, um, and I think because of that, the, the Ryder Cup is always bigger than anything that's going on in in, in the world of go- uh, of golf. Um, and it can be a symbol for uh, maybe healing or um, whatever you might call it. Um, but uh, certainly, you know, I think it's coming at coming at a good time, and uh, it will represent what it always represents, and that, and that is uh, that unity, that that history, that uh, importance of. Uh, you know, the, the countries playing against each other and, um, you know, the spirit of the game.
1: Luke Donald speaking to us here in the Fairways of Life show. I love these messages that are coming. And I think I'm going to tell Dom I want want to see these things all the time. Uh, Derek writes and says, with Adrian Marunk defending in Ireland, do you think he'll have a chip on his shoulder? You think? Uh, Wayne says he'll certainly want to prove a point. He was not far off. In the Swiss Alps. No, he hasn't been far off. That's part of what the whole conversation is, is because he's been playing so very, very well. He hasn't seemed to be far off throughout the course of the year. All right, so tomorrow on the Fairways of Life show, we're going to feature a full show of a conversation with Hall of Fame member Mark O'Meara. I mentioned this earlier to you in the program, That I've got a couple of cuts that I want to play for you today because Mark is absolutely a classic. Uh, but tomorrow show, We'll do the whole interview. So you'll be heard, be able to hear everything. And there's nothing like hearing Ryder Cup stories from a player that's been a part of the Ryder Cup and what's more from a player that's been a part of many Ryder Cups. So you get a sense of the flow and ebb. And in particular, I can tell you for tomorrow's show, which I think might uh, interest you, is that I spoke to him a lot about the 1991 Ryder Cup, which which they called, which which I didn't think was necessary, but they called it the War by the Shore I just thought it was insensitive at the time because, at the time, there was uh, significant international conflicts underway, and, and you know, uh, Gulf and you know, along the coastline in the Carolinas was was certainly not a war. Uh, maybe it was a war of emotions, uh, but uh, there were there were actually people fighting, dying in real wars. But in any event, the the event itself, I think, was incredibly significant because the event that Ryder Cup in nineteen ninety one, in my view redefined the Ryder Cup into the platform, the template, the forum that it exists in today in so many different ways. Because you remember the Ryder Cups leading up to that, 85, 87, 89. They were only, some didn't have any television coverage. Think about that for a second. Then when the television coverage did start, it was it was taped, taped delayed, and it, and it was done in this convoluted fashion. Then all of a sudden, 1991 comes along. I'm just talking about the TV side, the media side, the interest side. It changed everything from that regard. Uh, the, again, it wasn't, it became something different than what it had been before. Because when Steve Pate got in the car accident and couldn't play, I've, I've st- spoken to Captain Gallagher and Stockton, and where Captain Stockton's like, no, no, he was really injured. It was what, what hap- ha- happened. And on the other side, Gallagher's like, eh, I'm not so sure what happened. There was acrimony to this day in everything that took place at that Ryder cup. So we talk about that with Mark and in, in tomorrow's show, then just to jump forward to another very distinctive Ryder cup in terms of kind of the confrontation the come from behind nature of it, all the rest, the United States was trailing 10 to six coming into that Sunday in those, in those finals. Uh, Andrew, do you have the, the clip with Ben Crenshaw? If you have that someplace, uh, He's finding it because Ben Crenshaw, when he addressed the media and told the media that, you know, I'm, I'm gonna let the, I'll let the video play when he has it. Uh, what he told them and the significance of what it meant. Well, I wanted to know from Mark, where did this come from? What what happened in that team room? Uh, here's here's a clip from what Ben Crenshaw said at the time to the press. I'm gonna leave y'all in on one thought, and I'm going we'll leave. I'm a big believer in fate. I have a good feeling about this. That's all I'm going to tell you. Think about that for a second in retrospect. When Team USA came back and got the edge. And I asked Marco Mira what happened. Where did this come from? Were you guys feeling the same thing? You'll be fascinated by his answer. I've never heard anyone Comment specifically on that before, uh, at least not in the way that you're going to hear from Mark O'Meara. But I guess the place to start with Mark is the place to start. We've heard so much about what it's like to hit that first tee shot at a Ryder Cup. What was it like for Mark O'Meara? Well, I, I, I pretty
3: much distinctly remember exactly what went through, transpired, Maddie, from the standpoint that we we're on the practice range, alternate shot, and Curtis comes over to me and says, hey, you're going to tee off. I'm like, okay then. And I will tell you as I sit here of all my tournaments that I've played in all around the world, I was always the most nervous in a Ryder cup. And certainly in 1985 having to stand on that first tee at Belfry uh, and hit the first tee shot. (laughs) I, I I promptly, because I used to draw the ball or fear a little bit of a hook. I promptly hit it straight, right? right of the bunker on the right side of the fairway and off the tents and and it it kicked back down. There was no out of bounds or anything over there. And I remember Curtis looking over at me because he's such a great competitor and a friend. He's like, that was really nice, Mark. And I'm like, yeah, thanks very much. (laughs) At least I was able to tee my golf ball up without it shaking off the tee. And I told Curtis, I said, look, just go find it. Get it somewhere up around the green. We'll get it up and down for par and we'll move on. Um, yeah, it was a little nerve-wracking, to be honest.
1: We'll have more with Mark O'Meara in some of these clips. Remember, the full interview with Mark will be featured on tomorrow's Fairways of Life show. Uh, someone writes in and says, uh, was that the one with Justin Leonard running over the line? It was the one in 1999 when Justin Leonard made that putt against Ali and then the American team uh, flooded onto the green. Uh, again, you hear different things from different people and some accounts – had it that, no, 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 we were aware that of his line and we didn't violate the line. On the other side, they'll tell you there's no way that they didn't violate the the line and charge all over it after, after Justin Leonard made that very famous putt and all that it represented, that charge back from behind. Uh, one of the things that I think was, for me, personally important was the discussion about the role that Payne Stewart played in those Ryder Cups and in particular in 1999 because it was only the next month that we lost him. And what lingering effect did that have on the United States Ryder Cup prospects? Uh, And so it was just another interesting conversation. We're going to continue with some of these clips and having some fun with some discussions that we had, as well as some uh, new sound coming in from players competing this week as the Fairways of Life show continues. Uh, It is presented in part by DeWiz Golf. Please log on to DeWiz Golf when you get an opportunity and see this amazing wearable device there. You can see it. it gives you instant feedback on the device itself. Obviously, you can get all kinds of feedback as a swing monitor on the app. And just give you massive amounts of information. When applied, that information becomes a swing modifier. Check it out for yourself and see why so many stars of the game are realizing that nothing else like this exists and it's having a profound impact on their enjoyment of the same. DeWisGolf.com I guess hello
2: world, huh? Hello world. <laughs> and with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. Over
1: done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens and it's allowed me to win a lot. Bridgestone
2: Golf, proud to be part of your journey.
1: This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time.
3: Got it. One zero
1: one. Gives you feedback in real time.
3: Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback.
2: The Wiz are really helped me to keep that consistent swing.
3: You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game.
2: Transition on plane. The Wiz,
1: sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com
3: easy now find your happy place place. the PGA Tour Superstore it's all in the hips where every swing is possible, just tap it in yes
2: (laughs) find all the latest gear, apparel and personalized club fittings
1: is this goodbye? we've only just
2: begun shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place the PGA Tour Superstore What if we started
0: a company and the company was under no time constraints, no financial
3: constraints? The one constraint is their clubs had to be exceptional performers and much better than any other alternative. I was told time and again, it'll never work. It worked like a house of fire. And I'll
1: tell you what, I think our customers love it. BXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period zero friction introduces the wheel pro push cart golf bag with its revolutionary three-in-one design supportive legs that spring into action a comfort grip handle with three locking positions accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place the new zero friction wheel pro golf bag checks every box for every golfer push carry, or cart the decision is yours thanks to zero friction head to zerofriction.com today. Pleasure to have your company. Thanks for joining us on the Fairways and Life show on this Wednesday. I'm excited about the start of the Irish Open. Uh, in 2019, I have to tell you, it was, I mean, I've, I've bored you guys with these stories before, but at Lahinch, Hinch, the year before it was at Ballyliffin. And if, and if you've been up to Ballyliffin, Donegal, part of the northwestern part of, of, of Ireland, it is such an incredibly beautiful part of the island. It's so rugged. Uh, the, the earth looks like it, it was just like like God took his hand and ripped out a section of it. Uh, and it's just because of the way that the, the ocean has, has beat against uh, that landmass for millions of years. And that dynamic along the entire coast of Ireland is why I always say that the Lynx Golf in Ireland is better than it is at any other place in the world. The reason being is that the dunes are so soaring and so plummeting because of that violent interaction. There's nothing to protect Ireland from the ravages of the ocean. Uh, in contrast, if you're if you're looking at the United Kingdom, well, they've got Ireland as their buffer. So as a result, these, these Lynx golf courses feel like they're from another part of the world. And I remember one time, we, we had a fan trip up to the, the North and Northwest. And I'm, I'm sitting on the tee. It was the first tee, in fact, at, at Ballyliffin. And I'm looking off in the distance, and up on the hill, I can clearly see the Millennium Falcon. It was all lights around it and everything. And I, I said to the caddy, I "Was like, what is what's going on? Is that the Millennium Falcon?" He goes, "Yeah, that's one of the sites that they're using for the Star Wars movies. They shot all over Ireland, which which was so incredible to me. That uh, this is this is some of the the video here. This is Ballyliffin. It's amazing and." it's incredible to me that if you want to go to a place that you feel like is unlike any other place in the universe you go to Ireland and because of the of the placement of these Lynx golf courses on the on the coastline where it is so dramatic multiple ones were used in different shots you know when when Luke was finally back in the in the series again found you know stranded on this this island it's an island right off the coast of waterville and, the, and those little beehive huts are legit and real. I mean, look at this. This is what it's like, and this is how how cool it is. But in any event, at Ballyliffin for, for the Irish Open, this was 18. Now we're going back to. Uh, first of all, it was a heat wave, and it really was a heat wave. It was uh, 30 degrees Celsius, so that would have been probably, it felt like 85 degrees at its peak of Fahrenheit. Uh, it was just it was really warm for up there. And you know, you go to the different pubs and stuff, there's there's generally no air conditioning. Why would they need that? But it was but what what was different about it and what we wanted to try to correct for the for the Irish Open when it came to the Hinch was if you had a ticket to the Irish Open, you couldn't leave the event, say, go into the village, like have a pint or soup or whatever, and then go back in. They wouldn't let you do that. They wouldn't let you come. Once you left the ground, you couldn't get back in. Well, La Hinch they allowed it the next year, lobbied for and, and and achieved. And so what happened was that the main road we closed it in the center of La Hinch in the village. So there were there were actually two different sound stages: one in the fan village, which was which was uh, on the castle course at La Hinch, and then there was a second sound stage that was hard on the sea. That was normally a you know car park a, a parking area by uh, the oceanfront. And that was turned into a second soundstage. And then everywhere you went, there were people playing instruments in the town and all the rest. So instead of where, you know, we have these conversations about, you know, my favorite pub in the world is the 19th and Lahinch, right? Well, the whole town, the whole village became a pub. It was, it was one big party and it was so incredible and so much fun, such enthusiasm. And there were players everywhere, you know, I, I remember one morning I, I went to get a cup of coffee, and uh, Eddie Pepperell was behind me in line. At the time, he was leading the event. Uh, ultimately, as you saw in the video that we played for you earlier in the show, John Rahm won, which, and he's a multiple-time winner of the of the Irish Open. But can you imagine having someone of the stature of John Rahm that you can hang your hat on and go, yeah, this is this was who won uh, the Irish Open at our course? So uh, you can see why I've, I have the enthusiasm that I have for it. Um, there's all kinds of stuff coming in here. West Coast of Scotland is best for me. True and Western Gales, uh, Glasgow Ga- uh, Glasgow Gales, uh, Presswick, Turnbury, just to name a few. So true. They're such incredible uh, links, uh, courses. I haven't played Turnbury since it's been changed. I haven't seen it. I've heard great things about it. I would like to, to see that too at some point. Uh, someone was just saying in the video you're playing, uh, Andrew, uh, NBT, Three said that it's freaking gorgeous, and it is freaking gorgeous. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, so it, it, talking, speaking about an Irishman, Mark O'Meara, he partnered with Lanny Watkins, and they were up against Seve. And so this really isn't a story so much about Mark. This is a story about how competitive Lanny Watkins is. And I love the way in this clip Mark tries to tell the story without using the actual language that Lanny used that day, and even when he tells a story. Uh, when Lanny tells it, you better have the beat button ready.
3: You know, as we walked up to the first tee, we played, obviously, for some of the best ball, which is known as best ball. And it was going to be Lanny and I, Lanny Watkins and I, against Seve Ballesteros and Manuel Paniro. And we walked up, and Lanny goes, all right, I'm going to take care of everything today. You don't say a word to these guys. So I'll handle everything. I'm <laughs> like, okay. Sure, Lanny, whatever. And so we're on the tee, and they, they introduced the, the U.S. team first. And, of course, they introduced me, and a lot of people probably don't know who Mark Romero is, so I got a few applause, no big deal. Then they introduced Lanny Watkins, and they booed him. They booed him on the first tee, and I'm like, wow, okay, this is something unique for me to experience. And he, we both hit our drives in the fairway down there, and Seve got up, and they went crazy when they introduced Beniro and then Seve Ballesteros. And they walked off the tee, charging down the fairway. And then I I looked over and I'm walking with Lanny and and I can't say it on air or what exactly he said to me, but you can only imagine knowing Lanny Watkins. He's one tough cookie. I mean, this guy's the ultimate competitor. And so we're walking down there and he's talking to me and I'm like, okay, sure, Lanny, whatever you say, I'll do. We get on the first hole, this is a great story. And you've heard it, Matty, I think you have, but I'm gonna tell your viewers and listeners, this story is unbelievable. We hit, three of us hit the green. Seve hit the green. I hit the green. Uh, Lanny hit the green. Panero missed the green. Chipped down. is going to make bogey. I putt. I missed my birdie putt. Now it's Seve's turn to putt. Seve putts it down there to about three feet. So now it's Lanny's turn to putt. And so Lanny's lining up his putt. And he looks over at Seve Ballesteros. And he says, Seve. He goes, listen, your, your mark's in my way. You got to move it one to the left. And so Seve's kind of huffing and puffing, stands over he moves his coin over one to the left. Now, Lanny puts his ball down. He's lining it up more. And he looks over at Seve. And he says, OK, Seve, uh, that's not enough. You're going to have to move one more to the left. And of course, Seve stares at him. And he's like, you got to be kidding me. So he moves it over one more and backs away. Now, Lanny gets over his putt. And he hits his putt. And I'm watching. And it's going down there. And I'm thinking, looks like he pulled it to me. It glances off the right edge of Sevi Ballas' coin. and goes in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> He goes to pick it up and Seve's standing there by the side of the hole and Seve's like, what? And he goes, yeah. Lanny goes, I played it that way. He goes, you're one down, see you in the next tee. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And it only only got better. I think we, you can look at the results. I think we either beat them six and five or five and four, something like that. And that was my first experience with Lanny, how much of a competitor and how much he wanted to beat those guys.
1: Yeah, the the way that Lanny has told me that story too in the past is that Sevi felt that Lanny did something inappropriate. Lanny knew that that there wasn't anything inappropriate about what he did. Uh, was there gamesmanship involved? Oh yeah, a hundred percent, and he knew that too. But anyway, what happened was Sevi was upset. That putt went in glancing off his marker, and he said to Lanny, you did that deliberately, blah, blah, blah. What really happened was, is what Mark alluded to there, but he was being nice to to Lanny. Lanny pulled that putt. Lanny didn't mean to hit it on that line. He pulled it. And this is not from me recounting. This is what Lanny had told me. So he pulled the putt. It glances off the marker. It kicks it into the hole. And Seve was complaining to him about it. And Lanny answered him by saying, "You're darn right." And he didn't say "darn." um, That's exactly what I meant to do. That's how good that I am. That's what happened. That was the confrontation that took place. So Mark kind of cleaned the story up a little bit, but that was the the acrimony uh, in the the competitive scene as it as it was there. Now. Marco Mira as you can tell is a good dude. He's just a good guy. Uh, at the at the Open last year at at St Andrews on Monday, remember they had the Champions Challenge? Well, our world broadcast, we were on the air that day. And you know, just like I'll be at the Ryder Cup, I'm rarely inside. It's rare for them to to bring me into what they call the cabin. Uh, because that's where the the main hosts are, and 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 so forth. I'm out in the field doing my thing, which I love. I'd, I'd prefer to do exactly what I do, which is just to be out there. So they sent me out on that Monday. Uh, I you know I got all the gear on the antennas sticking out of my head, the microphone, and and I wasn't sent out there with any instructions whatsoever, which was fine by me. I remember one point saying, "What do you guys want me to do?" And they were like, "Whatever you want." I'm like, okay, so I would follow uh, some groups coming down one. And then I'd go across the little walk bridge off the, the first green. It was the same bridge that that the players would come across and then, then putt and then walk over to the second tee. And as and, and as they were coming over to the second tee, I'd grab them for interviews, and I got everybody, Jordan Spieth and Colin Warikawa in the early waves. Uh, and it just got progressively more incredible because of all the stars that were there. Uh, Marco Mira came walking off the second tee, and I was like, Mark, you mind if I walk with you and we do you know, a walk and talk? We're live. And he was like, of course, Matty. And we're walking down the second fairway the week of the open at the Old Course of St. Andrews, and Mark O'Meara's got his arm around my shoulder, and we're talking away. And to a point where, and I mentioned this in the show you're going to be able to see tomorrow in the, in the entirety of it with Mark, uh, to a point where he had to say, excuse me, break away, hit his shot, and then come back had the exact same thing happen with Lee Trevino. Now, Lee Trevino was playing with Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, and Georgia Hall. And we're walking down, too, and Lee Trevino's talking away. And the first thing I wanted to ask Lee Trevino about, had to ask him about, was Lee was, was paired with Doug Sanders in 1970. So do me a favor. Go go find the original video of Doug Sanders missing that putt, Right? And look in the background, and you see Lee Trevino. And when Doug misses the putt, Lee spins around in like his, like frustration as if he had himself missed it. And I wanted to ask Mr. Trevino, even though we're, we're at St. Andrews, we're at the Open, You know, he's a multiple-time Open champion himself, all the rest, I had to ask him about that moment. And I'll tell you what he said to me. The reason why he was so emotionally vested right there is he felt like so many that Doug Sanders should have backed away, reset himself, and then retried to take that putt, which would have won him uh, that open. He finished second in majors on six different occasions in that particular putt. Can it all come down to one putt? Uh, it haunted him for the rest of his life. I asked him, Mr. Sanders one time, you know, how many times do you think about this? And he said, oh, not that often, usually about once every day. Uh, and, of course, he went on to lose in the playoff against Jack Nicholas. The next day. So that was the conversation I was having with Mr. Trevino, again, walking up that, that second fairway. And there was a man, you know, I'm I, my eyes are forward like they are right now looking at the camera. Well, there was a man from your position, from the camera, and he's waving at me like this. Was, he was one of the marshals off in the rough a little bit. He's waving at me and I'm talking live to Lee Trevino. I'm like, what is this man doing? And he starts to go like this and I'm, and as we're talking, he's now behind us. And suddenly I realized that was Mr. Trevino's tee shot. And I had – we're again, we're on the air live, and I had to say, oh, Mr. Trevino, we, I think we just passed your tee shot. He's like, oh, wait, I'm going to go hit that. And push, hits a shot, comes back, and hits this lovely little little draw. Everybody thinks that Lee Trevino fades the ball because they think about the classic Lee Trevino back in the day. Well, Lee Trevino now lots of times likes to play this little draw, especially at the old course at St. Andrews, too. It's just it, – it was just – magical, uh, right down to, I think I've shared this experience with you guys in the past too, where uh, we get to the 18th tee that day, that Monday. And because of the wind direction, Tiger and Rory are going for the green. Uh, both of whom hit it to the green. T- uh, Tiger held the back left of the green and Rory went long left on, on that day. Uh, but we we had to wait because the green was occupied. The hole was occupied. And so because the nature of the old course is so tight that there was really no place to go. So I'm standing right there. I could hear everything they're saying. They were only a few feet away from me. And I'll tell you what they were talking about. Lee Trevino was, was telling them about how to chip, which was really classic. And, and it was great advice as you can imagine, but he's telling you know these guys how to chip, and and you could see a little bit of amusement in, in them listening to Mr. Fino. They they weren't being disrespectful of, of the knowledge he was imparting, and I think they, they at, at times you could see them moving their club to different positions in accordance with what he was saying. It was just it was just fun and interesting. So they're having that conversation. All of a sudden, this buggy pulls up. Who's in it? Jack Nicholas. So Jack Nicholas gets out. He joins the group think about this for a second, right? Uh, and, and Mr. Trevino, I think is 86, if I'm not mistaken, at the time. And they're having this conversation and I'm thinking to myself amongst other things, not only is this historic given what's going on and where, where it's happening, uh, but it's never going to happen again. In fairness, with all, with all due respect, uh, we pray that, that, that everybody is, is alive and healthy the next time, uh, the, the, Open is at St. Andrews, uh, but the odds are, are heavily against it. So my mind was saying, this is never going to happen again. This is this is so unique what we're seeing. So tee shots are struck. They walk to the Swilkin Bridge, and there weren't many of us there. They proceed to take photos on the Swilkin Bridge en masse together and then individually. The very last photos taken were Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods on the Swilkin Bridge. Uh, just Think about that for a second. I'm sorry that I went down that, that road, but it was just – the memories are are so incredible. But for Mark O'Meara, good guy, fun guy, and to think that during a live – at the time when, when we recorded it, this live broadcast, right, this wasn't scheduled, this wasn't scripted, Mark decided that he was going to flex a little. He was going to show off. Here it is.
3: Uh, Maddie, let me just bring you over here. Sorry Come if we're going to get messed up. Come on. Okay, let me – Let me just, uh, let me just turn on the light for the trophy cabinet. I think this is the light. Hold on. Stick with me for a second. Uh, no, that's not it. That's not it there. So, so as you can see, those are some of the Ryder cup trophies up there. Each member is so cool. And then there's the two president's cup trophies in between them. So there's the Ryder cup those are four of them obviously i played on five but those are the cups that each player gets from the team and their signatures of the teammates are all on the bottom of the Ryder cup so that's kind of cool and then obviously oh. that's the master's trophy and then there's the claret jug so yeah and then the player of the year and us amateur oh nice
1: it is nice dude <laughs>
3: anyway, Absolutely let me go back. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, so you know what? I'm very blessed. I love, I love sharing those um, great trophies and those great moments with you know friends and family members, and I get the biggest kick, Maddie, out of when I have an opportunity to to let them people hold the Claret Jug or hold the Masters yes. Trophy or, or U.S. Amateur or hold a Ryder Cup trophy. So you're right. There's a lot of great memories there.
1: Incredible stuff from Mark O'Meara. Now we did have a chance recently, and don't forget, Mark's full interview is what we're going to feature on tomorrow's show. We did have a chance too to speak with Stacy Lewis, the captain of the United States Solheim Cup team, and I wanted to find out from Stacy who she thought the leaders of her team are going to be. These are the people in the locker room that you hear the stories about after competitions uh, like the Solheim Cup or the Ryder Cup, where they say, yeah, so-and-so really was a leader in the locker room. Well, for Stacy, who was her leader in the locker room?
0: I mean, Allie. Allie's the oldest one, I think, on the team. Um, and she, she's just she, – That was, and that was part of the reason she was picked is, is just her leadership or – She's just kind of a good, calming influence, I think. Um, and she has moments where she cracks jokes and she's got some great one-liners. Um, but I think she's going to be somebody that the rookies can really rely on um, to be to be a good little mentor and to kind of help them through the week. Um, you know, I think I think Nellie's a leader, whether she wants to be or not, um, just because of her game. Her game speaks for itself. Um but I see. I mean, I see some of these rookies even stepping up too. Um, I just, I think, um, you know, the rookies are going to have to grow up fast, and and I think they will.
1: As to Allie Ewing, she is playing again at the Kroger Queen City uh, Championship, and she was asked about being back where she has had success.
2: Yeah, it feels really good. Um, I was here probably what a month and a half ago for a media day, so. Um, you know, trying to bring back all the good vibes. And uh, it's nice to be in Cincinnati and uh, we got some good heat here this week. So maybe that heat translates on the golf course. (laughs) Regardless of how you feel like you're playing, um, I was not able to sneak in uh, to solidify my spot um, through ranking or points. Um, So there's still just a little bit of an uneasiness. You know, you hope your golf and resume can speak for itself. But, um, you know, I'm very thankful and happy that, uh Stacy saw me and trusted me to be a captain's pick um I'm super excited for Spain uh, I feel like my golf game has been you know trending in a really good direction um so I think all things considered I'm I'm really happy to be here at Kenwood to you know hopefully put on a good title defense um as well as hopefully take some good golf to Spain and do our best to get the cut back in the U.S.'s hands yeah just a good uh, like I said a good title defense um I know the worst thing you can do, uh, being in this position before. The worst thing that you can do is, is kind of lean on your expectation for last year. This year is a completely new year, um, and while I have good memories here, if I compare to last year, it's only going to hinder my performance. Um, so it's kind of a blank slate for me. Um, I'll lean on those memories as good things, um, but I'm not going to put any like high expectation or, um, you know, just set the standard at. You know, winning—that's what we we tee it up, hoping to do, and um, you know, setting the mark for what we want to do. But um, I'm going to show up and just try to put together—you know—start out with two really consistent rounds, and then um, you know, hopefully, play two more consistent rounds over the weekend um, if given you know the opportunity. So. Um, That's kind of where my head's at. And uh, like I I said, I do feel confident. I do feel like I'm playing some really solid golf. So it's just going to be my same mentality, a good process, one hole at a time, and we'll see where it all shakes out. I think she's bringing a little bit of a fresh perspective, obviously still as someone that plays uh, a lot of golf. Um, You know, she knows the needs of players, um, the things that really need to be taken off of our plate that week with so much going on. Um, And then, you know, she's using – a lot of, uh, her insights with KPMG, um, to kind of sort through pairings. Um, so, I mean, as a whole, she's got a ton of energy. She's excited to be a captain. Um, someone with a ton of recent playing experience as well. I mean, I had two previous captains that were awesome as well. And Julie and Pat, um, and then Stacy's, she just got that a little bit of a fresh perspective on things. Um, so I, I, I think she's doing an incredible job and, uh, you know, I think that starts um, with just her leadership, and, and you know, I think she's going to bring a lot of good, positive energy and, uh, like I said, fresh perspective.
1: Allie Ewing getting ready for her defense at the Kroger Queen City uh, Championship. Just to give you an update on the question of the day, as Dom calls it, the survey. Uh, who wins the 2023 Ryder Cup right now? 64% are saying Team Europe. saying Team USA. Okay, this weekend's national television broadcast, for those of you who are watching us in the United States, uh, check your local listings for our affiliates from coast to coast. But this weekend, we're going to take a deep dive into Team USA. Break down what is... And what could have been and what does this all mean in terms of the prospects of going down the road in just a few short weeks. Tomorrow, again, Mark O'Meara will be featured on the Fairways of Life show. I think you guys are really going to enjoy that. And it's, it's great. I'm very excited to say this to you, but it's hard to believe at the same time that the next time that we are together doing this show live, I will be back across atlantic in ireland and i cannot wait to get back home hope you guys uh, have a great great wednesday and a great rest of your week until we are together again please be well
2: and goodbye for now